Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you on a Tuesday evening, and we don't have great news because the Celtics just announced earlier today that Jalen Brown uh, was diagnosed with a torn ligament in his left wrist and is going to have surgery and will be out for the remainder of the season. And um, it's going to be a whole lot harder for this team to make some noise in the playoffs without Jalen Brown on the team. They have not been good this year when they're missing uh, any one of their players. And Jalen Brown's objectively their second best player. Uh, just a tough break and what's been a very tough season for the Celtics so far. Yeah, I mean, what else could happen to these guys? Honestly, they've had brain fog. They've had COVID cases. They've had injury after injury. Turf toe? How do you get turf toe playing basketball? Turf, turf toe? Well, it's just a sprained toe. It's just a word for this, a sprained <laughs> toe. It's not, not, not really anything to do with turf. I, I should call it um, but, floor toe then. But just, just another tough hit, the toughest hit yet. And at a time, I mean – I. If it had come two games earlier, I feel like it would have been a felt like a devastating blow to the Celtics. But after the way they played in Chicago, after the way they played against Miami, it just and maybe the Celtics knew by then that Jalen was going to be out. Both their- games without Jalen Brown um, playing there, he did not make the road trip um, to Orlando or Chicago. Yeah, and it was. But after those two games, it just felt like no matter what, the Celtics just weren't going to have it this year, weren't going to have it in the playoffs. They appear headed for either a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed or a play-in tournament exit anyway. So they're going to draw the 76ers, Nets, or Bucks in the first round and be 
a significant underdog. Now without Jalen Brown, like what are you going to do with Ben Simmons? What are you going to do with Tobias Harris or Kevin Durant and James Harden? Or, you know, if it's Milwaukee, Chris Middleton and Giannis, it's, it's just an enormous, enormous loss. Evan Fournier will step into the starting lineup. Aaron Neesmith will play more minutes. Kemba Walker will get more touches. But the Celtics cannot replace Jalen's shooting, versatility, slashing, the entire package that he brings. They're, this is this is it. This is the end. The season is essentially over. They just are playing it out now. <laughs> you have no hope in playoff Neesmith? Where's your vibe check now? I mean, it's basically over now. It's I still want them to make some noise and go out fighting, but it's like the sliver of hope I had of them, like making the Eastern Conference Finals, and then like whoever, what no, who knows what happens in seven game series? That feels like pretty outrageous. I like they're still a very talented team, but but they just haven't been very good this year when they're missing one of their core four players, which has been an issue because. Their core four have not really played at all together. Grandy tweeted this out. 292 minutes that those four guys were on the court together, which is, in terms of minutes, ranks 137th in the NBA. So there are 136 more combinations who uh, had some continuity. And the Celtics, we like saw them very much struggle when they did not have their best talent on the court. Uh, that core four and uh, – you add Robert Williams to it. I think the team was eight and one or this year or seven and one. Like they are, have a very talented team that's played well in stretches when they're all on the floor together, but that just never happened. And now it's guaranteed not to happen uh, heading into the playoffs. My big hope for the playoffs was this, uh, the top seven have never played a, a game together. And so yeah, who knows yeah. what's going to happen. They're still not going to have played a game together. The expected so playoff rotation will not play a single minute together all season. Also means they'll never lose a playoff series. So I think we can hang our hats on that and give us some hope going into next year. But it's just like, this is what would you expect to happen in this Celtic season where it's just, they've had 183 games missed from their players this year, whether it's COVID injuries, Kemba starting the year off with like uh, his knee just, I don't know. This is kind of a snake bit Celtics. The real question is, are they cursed uh, from their treatment of Isaiah Thomas a couple of years ago? I think I saw Kungu <laughs> tweet this. They've made the Eastern Conference Finals twice. But did not win it. That's it. But, but they also drafted. They also Jason had Gordon Tatum. Hayward. They had Gordon Hayward injury uh, in those uh, playoffs. I don't know. I'm just throwing out there. I don't think it's curses. I don't believe in curses, but it's just yeah. they've uh, it's been a shit year for them is the general point I was trying to make. Yeah, but we should also, while we're doing this podcast, take a while to just praise Jalen Brown for the season that he put in. It was a really tough situation for all these guys. They were playing. He and Tatum, especially, were they were playing a lot of minutes. They were playing through injuries, in Tatum's case, playing through COVID. Jalen had knee issues pretty persistently. He had he sprained his ankle recently. He played with this wrist issue for several games at least um, and played really well and helped carry the Celtics through all of it. So when you, when you look at the load that he and Tatum carried, 
and the load they had to carry after a very short offseason when they didn't think the offseason was going to be that short after a long playoff run like there was just a lot of stress on their bodies and he put in the first all-star season of his career he had he took a leap in several categories as a playmaker as a shot maker as a three-point shooter the three-point shooting versatility like just really really expanded his game in a lot of ways that should help shape the Celtics franchise in the future in what was really a lost season in a lot of ways his development was one of the reasons why this like one of the things the Celtics will take moving forward with them and and be very happy about moving forward. He made such a big leap as a volume scorer. Like the amount of times he scored over 30 points, uh, I think he had over 10 or 12 30-point games, which is just not something I necessarily expected from Jalen Brown. I knew he was like a very good athlete, good defensive player, uh, and was a decent uh, shooter. But he just became so much more dominant uh both shooting from three, uh, his three-point volume goes up, but I think he uh, was – the key to the start of the year was him making a lot of two-point shots. He's just much more uh, – he improved a lot at creating his own shot. He's still uh, improved as a playmaker. The ball was in him and Jason Tatum's hands a lot more this year, and I think they both reacted uh, quite well to it. And so, yeah, I think you have to feel good about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum moving forward. Uh the question is, this is the same, I think, injury that Romeo Langford had. Luckily for the Celtics and for Jalen Brown, it's not on his shooting hand. And so um, despite his sweet lefty finishes this year, it's not going to be like hopefully not derail him for a lot of time. But he will be out three to six months. And now I guess it's time for the Celtics to just – I mean, the play, it's not like I expect them to show up and just like get swept. They still have a lot of talented players. And I think it's like an important opportunity for um, players like Neesmith or – even just to play with Fournier to show some fight to like they need to resign him in the offseason. So I don't think that expect the Celtics to completely lay down. I would hope they do that for the next four regular season games because they just need to rest up, but they're still a competitive team. I just, it's going to be a series wins going to be difficult. Uh, maybe even impossible. Um... Anything is potable. <laughs> I thought you were going to scream it. I was waiting for you to scream it, and then you couldn't even couldn't even muster the scream. No, I I, I wanted to scream it, but it's like I'm not used to doing it mid episode, so I was a little fit, uh, scared there. But what do you think happens? Like they still have to play games. I think they have to sit Rob Williams for the rest of the regular they have season. To. There's no reason to play him with turf toe. The There's no reason to play Tatum or Kemba on either of the back to backs. They, sh- they should absolutely sit. Tatum and Kemba for at least two games apiece. They should accept their fate in the play-in game and try to win one out of two of those games and get into the playoffs. I would try to win the first one um, because I'm not trying to lose the second. Uh, Although, although Philly, I'd still think Philly is a better matchup than either Brooklyn or Milwaukee, especially now that Jalen's out. Like, what the hell are you going to do with James Harden and Kevin Durant? You're going to beat them. You're going to march into Brooklyn and you're going to take it in six. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, They they do get to play spoiler. They do get to put the fear in God of one of these teams, hopefully. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how they react because I feel like some teams could take this information and be like, 
it's us against the world and we're going to play our asses off. Or I think there are some teams like, I don't know, the Celtics of two years ago where they kind of knew everything was uh, – they weren't going to have it this year and they kind of folded against the Milwaukee. They, they did beat uh, the Pacers in round one. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics react to this, especially in the playoffs. I agree with you completely about the rest. Why not? You're going to be in the playing tournament. Just accept it uh, and be as healthy as you can. I, be- I would assume Fournier is just slotted into the starting lineup, but I think most excited for 30 to 35 minutes of playoff Neesmith. This guy is going to go banana land. This it's, guy is going to make plays left and right. The energy will not stop. It's playoff Neesmith time. This is – it's going to be Neesmith hour. Neesmith o'clock. And you say they're going to lose a playoff series when he's getting 30 minutes a game? You've seen this guy. He's – He's a game changer. How many times do you think he would foul James Harden in a playoff series if they play the Nets? Oh, a bunch. Would he foul out every game? And if they play the 76ers, will Robert Williams foul out every game? Well, that was going to be a problem whether Jalen Brown was there or not. Yes, for uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, if Joel Embiid's engaged, then he's absolutely decimated the Celtics in every single matchup this year. So, um I don't you I don't know what you hope for. You hope to catch the Nets and they still not have chemistry coming back and James Harden uh You hope for it all to end. You hope for a vacation. No, you hope, you hope to play spoiler. Of course. You want no one else injured and you want to just um I don't know, what if Jason Tatum just scores 65 in a game? It could you could steal some games. You just want to put this put the uh, put a scare to these top tier teams in the Eastern Conference, you know? No one wants to play Boston in the first round. Not with a pissed off Jason Tatum, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't like this Miami game coming up was the one to save their season, but uh, that was after they lost the last two games to save their season. Even without the Jalen Brown injury, things were not necessarily trending in the right direction. Although Jalen did miss the last two games, uh, which uh, they lost, but if that's any indication, uh, they're not going to be great without him in the playoffs. They've given up, they gave up 79 first-half points to the Heat. They did. I was there. In, in was a game that was as close to a playoff game as you can get. They just Trevor didn't. Ariza, 17 was, po- 15 points in the second quarter or 17? He was demoralizing Kemba Walker in the post. Where did that come from? Well, they pretty much all – the Heat just targeted Kemba Walker in the post uh, a bunch. And then anytime they sent a double, Duncan Robinson knocked down a three. And then Trevor Ariza knocked down a three. I don't know. I, it's just Heat culture strikes again. He's just moving late in the season. Uh, but, yeah. But also, they, the Celtics defense has fallen all the way to 18th on the regular season. There was like a 15-game stretch where they were okay defensively. They were pretty good defensively. They were one of the best teams in the league defensively. Before that and after that, it's just been disgusting. And so defensive turnovers. That's just been the like the problem the entire year. Yeah. Two pretty big issues. And two issues that have never hurt Brad Stevens teams before. And I I think as you look back on this season, like in a lot of ways, it was just a really difficult season for the Celtics. I mean, you look at they had more absences due to COVID than anybody they had Kemba Walker in and out of the lineup missing back-to-backs in a season that was full of back-to-backs because it was a condensed schedule they had Marcus Smart miss more than a month and then come back and wasn't the same because he tore his calf and wasn't in top shape they had 
like no depth at all early on. They get Fournier. He plays two great games and then has to miss three weeks with COVID. He comes back with brain fog. And I, I do think there was such a burden on Tatum and Brown. And I think in some ways they took an unfair amount of criticism for the for problems on the team that had nothing to do with them. I think in a lot of ways, both of those guys actually showed growth this season. I think at times, especially later in the season, you could see like the burden was catching up to them, whether it was because they didn't have much of an off season, whether it was because they both played team USA, then had like a never ending season in the, that ended with the bubble. And then, you know, barely had any off season came right into this season. Like they've played a ton of basketball. They've played a a ton of games. There was a lot of mileage on their bodies and they led the team in game, the team in games played, I think. And they were like Jalen played through a lot this year. Like he was hurt most of the season with nagging injuries and still played a a lot of minutes, still carried a heavy burden. And like I said, uh, it felt like those guys showed it at times and they weren't always in peak form, but I think it's a lot more understandable than a lot of people have let on. Like it's easy to bash them and, and say they didn't perform up to expectations and they didn't carry the team and they didn't lead them the way they were meant to be led. But it's like, they were going through a lot of shit and then their roster stunk for the roster around them stunk for a while. The roster around them, the roster around them wasn't even organized correctly in and out. Yeah. So those guys are keepers. Those guys are gamers and you can build around those guys. And I think the Celtics should be very, very happy about those two guys. And then they'll need to tweak the rest of the roster moving forward. And, I think Neesmith could end up being a big part of that. I think their hope is Fournier will be a big part of that. But I think they need to get bigger on the wing. They need to get like a real power forward size type four who can shoot a little. Um, and that, those those guys aren't easy to find, but they need someone like with side. Like they need to get a little bigger. They need to get a little longer and, and a little more mature, especially on the bench. Like they have – how many guys do they have this year that – are borderline NBA players or or like don't really deserve players. don't really deserve a chance at minutes. Shemi Ojale, uh your like guy, Jabari Parker. Uh, there's a there's a list of them, you know. It's, yeah. I think it's like interesting. I, I absolutely agree that the Celtics should feel like they're in pretty good position at moving forward. Um I know the cap people are gonna are concerned about re-signing Fournier and the long-term thing, but the end of the day, they still have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I talked about this a little bit with uh, the one and only the Riffs man. He came on to promote um, the People's Tommy Point Charity Drive for 18, which is a telethon he's doing on Thursday to support Marcus Smart's charity. Uh, but we ended up talking like 15 minutes after the Jalen Brown news came out uh, and just talking about this Celtics season. There's such like a rush to blame like someone because they've been disappointing or because they haven't won so much. But like you went through all of the things that like this team has gone through, the uh, 183 games missed, the COVID, the timing of uh, sequencing of everything, where 
Like they had three bigs playing. Uh, they had a two big lineup for the first half of the season, and they had three bigs who were playing a lot of the minutes. Their roster didn't really make sense to start, and then ever since the trade, uh, never nothing was like really came together. There's so many things that are like in there. It's like, yeah, that is a very good explanation for why the Celtics have not been as good. There's like, I don't get the extent or need to be like, and then it's someone else's fault. It's like, no, this they is like lost the- Gordon Hayward, replaced him with. Basically, just a guy who was their third best center before they moved Daniel Tice, and Jeff Teague, who was a big minus, and that's it. And then they got hurt. Everyone around Tatum and Brown was hurt for most of <laughs> like there was always somebody hurt. And I think like there's there's a rush to bash players. I I feel like. There's and, a rush to bash in general. Like if it's not the players, it's all it's Brad Stevens's fault, who and, has had no practice time, or it's I, Danny Ainge's fault, which you can make the move, like argue the moves weren't great. I I think more of it was on Ainge's roster construction. A mix, but his a top mix, seven guys have not played a game together. A mix of roster construction and bad luck. Um, the the roster was much better after the trade deadline. Like they were they were more talented, but I think. Giving Tice up for nothing came back to hurt them. Yeah, that's a big decision that we didn't really talk about that much at the time. We did a whole episode praising Tice, but that was just a purely a money-saving move. And given the uh, health of Robert Williams at this point, it sure would have been nice to have a competent center uh, down the stretch rather than kind of experimenting with Taco minutes or Luke Cornett minutes. Yeah, and it's it's easy to to say, yeah, but they needed to shed money. I, I think it goes to a lack of planning before that. Like, like if you looked ahead and thought Evan Fournier might be the guy you target with your trade exception, then you should not have signed Tristan Thompson for the full mid-level exception. You should have gotten some other center help, or you should have figured out a way so that you could keep Daniel Tice um, or figured out another way to get under the luxury tax. And I just, I just felt like, Giving a salary dumping a legitimate rotation center, a solid starting center, just wasn't the move, especially knowing that Robert Williams is an injury. Also, if you like had enough risk. belief to like, we're going to go with the two center lineup, you had those two centers on the roster already. Like, what the, the signing of Tristan Thompson doesn't make the most sense just from like how they entered the year, I, I would assume that they thought it was going to go better and that maybe like their injuries wouldn't be as bad, but still like if you believe in Robert Williams and eventually think he's going to play like 25 minutes a game, why? And you know, Daniel Tice is just a solid player. Why bring in Thompson at the time? I think that's a fair criticism of Ainge, but it's like that happened last summer. And so like so many get like, if we're just talking about the players and their performances or Brad Stevens and his performance, I think a lot of it still they played with the cards that were dealt to them and they were pretty shitty cards it, just in terms of lineups. Like people want to get on Brad because of all the losing because they don't want to blame the players because they generally like the players, but they had no practice time. Like there's no like no consistent role. I feel like it's harder to teach uh, and scheme defense and offense when it's just uh, they're like all the parts are constantly moving and you have no like actual practice time to implement anything. Yeah, and at the same time, I I do feel like like there were real criticisms that Brown and Tatum deserved at times. Like 
I, I thought there were times like Tatum no showed in that game against Chicago. It, it felt like he wasn't there. And in a huge game, it felt like he wasn't there. Um, and so I, I do feel like like there were some valid criticisms that could be leveled at those guys. Um, but I, I just think this season especially, you need to do it with context because the mileage on those guys and every player around the league, if you listen to all the comments from guys around the league, they're all saying how difficult this season has been. They're all saying how 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 stressful it has been on their bodies, on their on them mentally. And so I, I do think there's some context necessary. And I do think that Brown's development should be should be, you know, respected. And he really in a lot of ways took a leap. And and he and Tatum could help change the franchise. Now they have a lot of decisions around those guys. But I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that those two guys are are part of the solution to to what hurt the Celtics this season. The one sneaky thing about this is that if there's anything the sports optimist loves, it's a pivot to next year. It's moving the goalposts. No longer will I be evaluated on what happens with the Celtics this year because whatever happens is gravy. Anything above. Any win in the playoffs is like, is like, yeah, they fought. It's great. Now the goalposts are next year, and I can just start the optimism train running for the top seven in this team have never lost a playoff series. They've never even played a game together. But you're right. It's The hope has shifted. The goalposts have been moved, and we're now getting excited for that 21-22 season where hopefully uh, Jalen Brown will come back fully recovered and uh, no Celtic plays in any Olympic games and they actually get an uh, offseason to rest. Uh, Evan Fournier can't even play for France. We just need uh, a fully healthy team heading into next season. That, I mean, that seems to be their goal, the timing of the Jalen. I'm I'm so fried right now. I, I'm not sure whether we talked about this on this podcast yet. We, no, we didn't. We, we recorded is- another a news podcast before. So, yeah, the, the timing of the Jalen, the sh- sh- of shutting him down, suggests that at some point the decision was made to focus more on next season than this season. And I haven't well, heard Well, we this. don't know when the, like, torn ligament was discovered, but it does – he seemed like he hurt it uh, in that Thunder game at least. Forsberg pulled up a clip of him possibly hurting in as far back as the Lakers game. And so you think if you tear a ligament in the Thunder game, it would, it would still show up on all the scans and then – so your 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 theory is that they decided after the heat loss to just go No, it's it's not a theory. Uh I haven't I haven't heard it from anyone with the Celtics. It's just the timing of it would line up with a team that that looked at the landscape, saw they were going to be in 6th, 7th, 8th or out of the playoffs entirely and thought, "You know what? This is going to be a long longish recovery." Let's get Jalen Brown back for the start of next season and prepare. The The timing would line up for that. Uh, whether that's the case or not, the timing would line up for that. Obviously, Jalen tried to play through it for a while. He he was hurting for at least several games um, and sometimes hurting pretty badly and still playing well and still playing a lot of minutes and still handling a huge load. But – 
you know what and with Romeo Langford last season he had I think it was the same injury but on his shooting hand the Celtics were they were going to have him play during the postseason even um if I recall correctly like there were a number of games that he played or was at least available to play after getting the injury until they decided to put him on the shelf and so you know, maybe Jalen could have played through it, but the team decided, you know what, it's it's no longer worth it. Let's let's try to get him fully healthy for next season. Let's get this surgery out of the way. And I'm not sure whether that's the case, but the timing would line up and it would make sense. And I wouldn't blame the Celtics one bit for deciding that because they're not on the level of the top teams in the East. Nobody should be under any illusion that they're on the same level as the top teams in the East. And so... Move on, man. Move on. Get Jalen right, and and lace up the sneakers again next season and try it all again with with some tweaks to the roster. Yes, and I'm sure we'll uh, talk about those tweaks all summer. I I don't know whether to do this. This is all reckless speculation, but I'm saying this uh, with that major caveat on Saturday. Uh, I hung out with my girlfriend and she said, uh, does Jalen Brown have a hurt left wrist? Because she reported seeing someone who looked like Jalen Brown pumping gas with a bandage on his left hand. Uh, but she wasn't 100% sure it was Jalen Brown. Yo, you could have broken the news, bro. Uh, she could have broken the news. She asked me, was like, oh, does Jalen have a hurt left wrist? And I said, it kind of sounded right, but I knew he was just out for the right ankle sprain. And so I was like, no, no, he doesn't. That's not him. But she's like 90% sure it was Jalen Brown. So uh, I really missed a scoop on that one. Did not follow up with any of my sources. Uh, and so, you know what? You snooze, you lose in the in this industry. I, I should have texted you uh, like a grainy picture. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Um, yeah, it probably was Jalen. Just just pumping gas with a bandage on his on his hand. He has been hurt for like weeks possibly a full month now so wouldn't be too surprising but that is reckless speculation could have had a scoop uh but we did not we'll see what happens for the rest of this year um jay and i will be here to talk about it especially the play-in game we'll go we're absolutely have to go live after the whatever happens in the, the, the nick friedman game. the nick, nick friedman, friedman invitational yeah or the terry revere terry rozier revenge game that's actually something uh the Rifts man and I talked about uh, again. We're gonna once we are done here, we'll play that uh, conversation. It's a very similar conversation, just talking about the reaction to the Jalen Brown news. But you get it from the Rifts man's cool, optimistic, funky perspective. Again, he came on to promote the People's Tommy Point charity drive for uh, for eighteen, which is going to be like a telethon um, that just goes to uh, just raising money to support the Young Game Changer Foundation. He had a crazy guest. It, are, are you ready for a Riffs Man interview of Mike Gorman? I am now. Now, now you I'm should all the way be. Ready. Also, a Riffs Man interview of Dino Raja. <laughs> That's electric. He's got a bunch of surprise guests, some old Celtics players, some old uh, people from Celtics media. Should be a good time. So check out, um, just keep listening to this episode, and you'll hear me in his conversation reacting to Jalen and also talking about the telethon. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, I don't know how to transition this cause I don't know how to, uh, it's not the end of the episode. 
So just tell the listeners they're going to listen to the wrist man now. Listeners, you're going to listen to the wrist man now. So take seat and sit right back in. The wrist man's coming up next. Anything is potable except a good segue. Damn it, I should have asked you, is a good segue potable? Anything is potable! Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... mm, real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And I am joined now by a very special guest, a person I've actually never spoken to before. I've wanted to talk to him for a long time because he is the patron saint of uh, Weird Celtics Twitter and just an all-around good dude. Everyone should know him. He's one of the... uh, the guys who started Weird Celtics Twitter, and he's just a person who knows what cool is. Uh, and unfortunately, we're joined uh, on not the nicest of circumstances. Sad day. It was basically announced 15 minutes before we were recording that Jalen Brown uh, is going to have surgery in his left wrist after a – I forget the name of the exact surgery. But, uh, yeah, it's a, just a shitty loss. He might be out three to six months, and – um, not the best news to have on a, on a Monday afternoon riff, man. No, it's not the greatest, but, uh, we, we seem to, it, it's a difficult one. Uh, this season's been a difficult one in general. Uh, not a lot of roster continuity whatsoever. And this is just an exclamation point on that. But I think, uh, usually a team with Marcus Smart responds to such a thing. So hopefully those guys will band together and if they, if they're going out, they're going to go out in a loud way. So I would, I hope that's the case. And I like deep down have my like hope that now with like some adversity, they'll react to it and and play a little bit better. Um, But we've just seen this year is like every time they've had a guy out, it's been uh, just a, such a small margin for error. And so, just a sad way to end. There's just been a kind of a um, 
a trying season and just kind of a disappointing one in terms of just all the guys missing injuries, dealing with COVID, all the kind of um, just things that this team has had to go through this year. Uh, it's a shitty way to cap it off. Jalen especially, he had taken such a leap. And uh, I really I really do not like the way that he and Tatum's leadership has been portrayed because Jalen especially, at the time he hurt his wrist, he had been favoring that wrist. When I watched him go to the basket and land, you could see him favor that wrist for almost like four or five weeks ahead of this announcement. And uh, in one of those games was the one in the, in the Oklahoma City game when he had 39 and 12, I believe, on the, like the day or two days after uh, his mentee Terrence Clark had passed. And uh, he was, that was a game where no Tatum, the entire defense was loaded up on him. He was going through it, like literally all the way through it for 39. So, like, uh, I, I think if, if, if that isn't leadership, I don't know what is. I think, they, uh, I think they didn't throw anybody under the bus this year. I think they took, like, full on the responsibility of saying, hey, we're trying to figure this out, and it hasn't been great. Uh, but we're not going to point fingers. And I thought, I thought he handled everything in a very dignified manner this season. So a huge kudos to him in the season he's had. Yeah, he's been amazing just not only um, on the court, but I, you're right. The way he's handled, he's always been like, we're not good enough. He's accepted where they uh, haven't um, – like where they've come up short and things that they need to do better. I think it's just odd to criticize the leadership of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and it just comes with this weird expectations that I think all fans have, but people have it to a certain degree is just this like – an expectation of a championship or like that these guys must work like together. It's like every year there's only one winner. And sometimes like for what there's a litany of reasons why the Celtics have not come together and like been uh, an amazing team. But I don't think it's like without the effort or uh, of any of the guys. And I don't think anyone's had a bad mood or um, not trying to make it good. It's just sometimes team dynamics don't work. And it's, uh, it's weird for everyone to kind of be, I guess this is just who we are. Just like someone needs blame for this, which is, I think, an odd way to approach it. It's like eh, sometimes it just didn't work out. And so but there is just a fan weird expectations like I as a fan expected a championship and I'm going to blame someone else for uh, it not being delivered to me. Yeah, that's it's a difficult di- dynamic. I don't think nuance pays off in today's culture. Oh, God, no. At all. But uh, I think I think they wanted to play hard together. I think they wanted to do the right thing. But could they do it be, with their situation in terms of roster continuity? Uh, timing is everything. Like in basketball, like if you're if you're not setting that that high screen for Tatum well, if it's at the wrong angle, it's gonna look really bad. Uh, and consequently, maybe that's gonna turn into a, a little less. Uh, willingness to take risky passes out of that situation or to be risky with your dribbler around like I mean he's getting blitzed by the best defenders in the league now so you see that start to happen because guys aren't a little bit sure of themselves in terms of okay I've been here for a week how do we do this okay I've been out for three months what's the timing for this and it just worked in a way I think that uh, didn't lend itself to the best most fluid basketball possible and uh, and I think that's something that's been misinterpreted at large and so how they how they handle it from here on out and how they handle it this offseason is going to be very interesting they did not have an offseason in my opinion 
this past year. Oh, no. I, don't, I don't think any of the bubble teams, uh, really, uh, Denver's the only one who is in the final four who made it through in kind of one piece, but Jamal Murray's not there. So, like, they lost yeah. him for a year. So, uh, we, we've seen this happen to the bubble teams, and uh, it's a difficult situation, and how they respond going forward is really going to define a lot in terms of a lot of marquee franchises, especially the Celtics. What are your, like, I guess, new expectations? I was already trying to talk myself, just pivot into winning uh, the play-in game as an honor in itself and that we, we're going to be uh, make, some, make some noise against the Nets in round two. Now with this happening, um, I guess, what do you expect? Like, what's the best you think the Celtics can do? And then what is something, like, how does the season still finish off as like a, with a good taste in your mouth, even if they don't necessarily reach the success you're – uh, looking for i mean just give whoever you, you get hell <laughs> like, <laughs> like like whatever it is you know just don't go out quietly uh i mean just like don't maim yourself in the process uh, oh yeah no more no more injuries yes yes let's avoid those but uh i think like just to go out there and uh if it if it wasn't our year then make whoever's year it is have a real hard time dealing with us for the last remaining bits of it. Uh, my expectations, uh, I thought I thought they could have gotten to the playoffs had a, with a little luck with Robert and Jalen, uh, and and maybe Ben an Eastern Conference finalist, maybe Ben having a puncher's chance for it. Um, I think that's. I, I wouldn't want to say it's like deteriorated, but I mean it, it's less likely obviously because Jalen's like the number two guy and such a dynamic fast scorer. He scores so fast that I think amazing in transition. And I I think like the way he scores fast is in the half court too. I think he operates very quickly as opposed to some of the other guys on the team. So like in the first quarters, when we've been struggling lately, that's usually when Jalen takes over. That's, that's his spot where historically he's been a really good scorer for the Celtics. So, so now that's lacking, and you've got to really find on the fly a new team, team dynamic. How they do that, I don't know. I think it's Fournier who's going to have to step into that because he seems like the easiest scorer lately uh, in terms of how he gets his shots and getting to the basket. I thought the last game was sensational on his end. Yeah. Uh, but uh, how, I, I have no expectations now other than they're going to probably go out playing as hard as humanly possible. Because I feel like something's been taken from them at this point with this whole yeah. season. And they're playing for pride at this point. Another thing it opens up is uh, I think Fournier's been good in his shooting, certainly uh, against the Heat in the past couple of games, has been much improved. It's like good to see him um, just being a solid contributor that he was with the Magic the entire time and wasn't suffering from COVID. It's still He still has COVID symptoms. It's still oh, like yeah. lights still hurt his eyes, which is still amazing to me that he's performing at the level he is currently. I had it kind of famously among friends. I had it before the general public kind of knew what it was in January of that year. Mm-hmm. I just had my second dose of Moderna and am starting to feel like a normal human being kind of for the first time in a year and a half. Uh, it has not been easy. I lost 40 pounds. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's been a weird transition to watch Fournier and to watch Tatum deal with it and to, to see – Kind of, I don't want to be too accusatory of anybody, but I think the media in general didn't cover this season. Maybe they couldn't, maybe they didn't know how with the nuance of what kind of 
these things people were dealing with who had COVID and the expectations changing. I mean, we just found out a little while ago that Tatum is on a, a inhaler, yeah. which is kind of a jarring thing to find out about a professional athlete who was otherwise healthy before that. So I, I, I just hope that Fournier uh, doesn't overdo it in this stretch too. And the yeah. same with Jason. Well, especially in the next couple of games coming up, it feels like Rob's hurt still. He has turf toe. I don't know what, like mathematically, if they beat the Heat, they can still hope for a Heat loss and hope to pick up a game and maybe get the sixth seed. But at this point, they would have to play a back-to-back and then another back-to-back. Is it just, You just rest your guys, right? You don't push anyone You except the seventh seed because at this point, you, you just can't – deal with any more players being hurt and hope to succeed. And then also just long-term effects of, I don't know, Jalen Brown's going to be out maybe six months. You just don't want to overwork any of the guys at this time when, I don't know, it's what's the difference between a six seed and a seven seed at this point. I would, I would go into it fully rested up, give them a, give them a week off, you know, let, let, uh, let Peyton and Nesmith get up some really good shots and get into a good rhythm. But uh, I think I still think the the idea of a playoff run has value, be it a short one or a, maybe a round or two for for Peyton and Neesmith, maybe Rob if he's healthy too. Uh, to go through that usually is the the impetus for guys building on it in the off season. Yeah, and I think that's why you try to be as healthy as possible and give whatever team you play, be it the Bucks or. The Hornets in game one, like the the play in tournament, if you just win the first game, you're in the playoffs. Like it shouldn't be that difficult to beat the Hornets. Although um, I could totally see Terry getting revenge because Terry's a boss. Oh, um, the man, the absolute man. One of the coolest dudes there is. The the Gordon revenge would be a harder pill to swallow, but uh, Terry Terry balling out in the garden would actually make me smile. It would, I would laugh. That would be fantastic. I was so mean to Gordon that he probably does deserve revenge specifically on me. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people were mean to Gordon, and so I wouldn't yeah. be – he doesn't seem like the revenge type. Terry would go in there and look into uh, slit throats. But I think the Celtics can beat the uh, Hornets. At this point, they just need to get healthy and, like, give their best. The thing that I'm interested in now with Jalen out is I really like the energy – that Neesmith brings. And mm-hmm. so, and I think he's just, um, he's shown to knock down a shot. At this point, I really don't know who is a better defender and I'm him or Fournier. And I'm leaning towards Neesmith just because of his crazy energy and length and just his uh, hustle plays. But it feels like the Celtics this year have really struggled sometimes just to play great defense or have the energy basically like what happened in the heat game, just going down 20. I like the idea of just uh, starting Neesmith as a wild card and just being like, look, man, we just need you to play your ass off for 30 minutes a night. And maybe he has an opportunity to do that. And uh, I'm like, it's it's an opportunity for these players to grow, even though I don't know, whatever championship expectations uh, we had as fans is now uh, significantly reduced. But I do, I I agree with you that, the playoff run is, is still going to be important and it's still going to be fun as long as they give them hell. Yeah, man. I, I really am interested to see how Neesmith responds to this because I think he's a starting caliber player. Uh, the last month or so he's shooting among the top uh, wings in three point shooting. I think in the, in, in this month, albeit a short one, uh, he's 53% or I think the last month or so he's something close to 53% from three. 
uh, he's absolutely figured out the defensive scramble and rotations that you want to see from a guy. He has size and strength and mobility that are rare, I think, among wings. Uh, I, I, I think he can be an incredible player. Uh, I, I didn't watch much of him in college, so I was just kind of like, let's see what happens with him. I, I know people had stronger reactions than that, generally yeah. speaking. Uh, but I, I was open to it and kind of knew it was just going to take time this year. But he's really responded, and I think this run for him is like the biggest thing in the world now that Jalen's gone down. I think he can really make a solid statement that he's arrived in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the, one of the things that's impressed me about him is his ability to like make plays heading towards the basket. He's mm-hmm. the that he I like you. I did not watch him, but it was like, oh, he shot fifty six percent from three in college, and I just thought of him as a shooter. But uh, I think there's a, pl- a couple plays against the Heat where he is just went to the basket and found guys up with nice passes. I just he's much more of a playmaker and a, a guy who attacks the basket and has a lot of a lot of bounce. Um, where I just think his potential and his energy. For face it, whatever reason the Celtics have not had it this year um, has been lacking. I just think his, at least you always want one guy on the court just playing it like incredibly hard and just like that's just good for that's just good for the team vibes. I mean, he, he got the Marcus Smart stamp of approval. Like if you get that officially on Twitter, <laughs> you're, you're doing you're doing the grindfather bit really hard, and uh, I think he's just been he was he was the shot in the arm that the team needed for a long time uh, and has been really this, the constant source of energy since Rob got hurt. Because I think Rob had stepped into that very well and became a great loose ball guy, a great uh, ball finds energy type of guy. He was tracking down everything and, and making the right plays. And I think Neesmith stepped into that. He, I think just watching, he, he recognized what was lacking in his, his way to get through the door was that, and he's just incorporated it beautifully. But as he said, his uh, his intermediate game going to the basket is something I did not expect. And he covers more ground than I expect, both defensively and off the dribble, which is something you really want to see a long stride guy get into the hoop because I think that makes it easier for them to be slashers long term and be really good. I mean, once his handle catches up to that, if he works on that, if that's like a point of emphasis, I think he can be a really great uh, dual threat in that regard. Yeah, and it's like kind of a perfect guy to put next to Tatum and Brown for the next uh, couple of years. I think it's just going to be interesting to see how the, uh, the kind of they build the roster around it. And you mentioned Robert Williams. It feels like he's very important. And I think probably the Celtics third most important player at this point. Mm-hmm. It just feels like when he's playing, he's playing 25 minutes and the team just has a lot more flow offensively and just the, he's just one, a very good passer and you can kind of give him the ball at the high post. And I don't think they did that enough, um, but he's sees the court and makes the right play a lot of time. And his just vertical spacing completely changes the pressure the teams put on the rim and opens things up so much for everyone else on the court. I think we've been so used to kind of um, the three big lineup earlier in the year. And um, I don't know, hit Tristan missing time and uh, Robert Williams missing time that like uh, we just got used to kind of one big, but I think Robert Williams being in the, like when he started and uh, was playing well, that's when the team was playing their best. And so uh, he 
I think just totally changes uh, the entire team. And for them to like make that run in the playoffs, for them to kind of give a team a challenge, it's super important that he is is healthy and um, getting significant minutes. Yeah, I would. I know he wanted to soldier through it, and they probably tried him for when they, when he saw the specialist or whatever. They probably determined that you can't destroy it or anything further, but it's just going to hurt, and they got a brace or whatever. But uh, he does some things that are pretty irreplaceable that you wouldn't really consider like his screening to me is like the thing that uh, opens everything up for Kemba Walker and Jason is three point shooters. He sets some of the widest, most reactive screens possible off of the DHO sets and uh, just makes quick decisions that nobody else really on the roster can make because he has such a vantage point at his size and length. So uh, without him, it just feels like things are slower. It feels yeah. like things are easier to to muck up and easier to get stuck in those high pick and rolls uh with different angles i think his angles on it on the screens he sets are really good and have improved a ton and when he's not there that's where we suffer significantly on the offensive end i actually think most of his impact is on offense yeah uh he he just seems to make things communicate and flow better so without him depending on what his status is, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. He's, he, it hurts a lot if he can't play. And I also don't really want to see him risk it too much. If it's, if it's that bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I like turf toe. I've seen saw tweets that it could take a while, but then I was kind of shocked to see he was back trying it against the heat. It doesn't feel like he should really force it in the rest of the regular season. Um, but you mentioned his offense. It's like his screen setting is really important because it feels like he's the only like guy who sets screens that you have to kind of worry about after the screen. With Tristan Thompson in the game, it just makes it so much easier for opposing defenses to send two at the ball, whether it's Tatum or um, Kemba or any other of the ball handlers. Robert Williams is the only one who I feel like has consistently – they send two to the ball and they, you pass it to Rob when he get, has, catches it at the foul line, immediately fires to the opposite wing like – that's a play that only really happens with Robert Williams in the game. And I think the Celtics struggle otherwise when there's a lot of ball pressure and they just don't really have a great big there at that fulcrum to kind of start the offense again with Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson doesn't, he's not a playmaker. He doesn't really dry, like cut that hard to the hoop. It's just, uh, he's a great offensive rebounder, but that's just not kind of part of his game with Robert. It just feels like the whole floor is open and you really get passes and assists and, um, it's, you just see how much of a difficult time uh, and turnovers, I think, are up this year for the Celtics, like one of their worst turnover years. I think a lot of that has to do with just how much more pressure their ball handlers are getting um, without just kind of a competent big man in there. Yeah, I think that's that's important to note. And also that with Kemba out, it became the Wings as ball handlers. And like like if, if Robert and Kemba were out, that means the high screen and roll is often Tatum and Thompson. And I think that's, I, I think I think Tatum is a borderline MVP level player and a superstar, and I think Tristan is really good. But that situation for them this year, I think, has been difficult in terms of timing and, and nailing it down perfectly. I think the more uh, the more fluid pairing is often uh, Robert and Kemba and Robert and Tatum in those situations. Yeah. So without having those guys available at different points, it's just become 
not the best groupings that you want to have that you anticipated having going into the year. So uh, I think I think offense, we get into the the defense because it has its problems, and the offense has good numbers lately, or at least since the All Star break, they one of the better offensive ratings or whatever. But I don't think the quality of offense is quite there if that makes any sense. It feels like they score a lot of points because they have to score a lot of points to get back in the game. And sometimes yeah. that can be in a blowout. Uh, so I, I think they can going into next year, if they, if they get Robert healthy, they can tailor, tailor a lot more to his strengths as a passer and everybody else can benefit from that. That's another thing about this, just like crazy years and not having an off season. Um, I am a, a Brad apologist, but like it's different to game plan for a bunch of new different players. And then you're developing a game plan and you don't have like the same starting lineup for more than four games in a row. I think the stat was, and I think we've had 31 different starting lineups at this point. It is difficult. Uh, I just think to try to have any sort of continuity uh, and kind of scheme when the parts are constantly changing and no one's developing the kind of like expertise in their specific role uh, and so, I mean, I feel like I'm sounding like an apologist and I guess I am, I'm giving them, it's just been a shitty year and it's, it's like tough for them to have the continuity, um, that you would expect, uh, to kind of have the, the better performance. But, um, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just being a Brad apologist. I get accused of being a, a such on the, on the interline. Anecdotally, it feels like in the Stevens era, their teams usually, are a practice and a prep team. Like uh, they, they have their best games execution wise, obviously coming out of a practice and yeah. extensive film work and stuff like that. So you take that away and it becomes young guys learning it on the fly. And uh, maybe that isn't one of Stevens's strengths. Maybe, maybe, maybe the lesson of this season was what happens when you're less hands-on and when you have less control of, a play-to-play type thing where guys know their sets and everybody's on the fly using their IQ. Yeah, and how that reflects on you on as, as a coach. Maybe that was the lesson for this season. Uh, I think I think that he can get better, but I don't think he's a bad coach in the way that it's portrayed. If that makes any sense. Yeah, of course there are, are different things that can be done, and I think he's teams in the past have gotten better as the season has gone on, and felt like he kind of experimented a lot earlier in the year and then um, was basically trying to implement things. And then the teams would kind of, especially on defense, uh, kind of really figure things out and get uh, better as the season went on with no practice time this year uh, and the constantly changing of players. It just feels like there's not a lot of opportunity to um, make those corrections. And so it's just been a, a kind of a, a crap year altogether in terms of results. Uh, but um, again, I'm going to refrain and say these things happen in sports. And that's why sometimes crap years happen. And sometimes you need uh, to do something good in the world, put some good energy out in the world. Oh and yeah. That's why uh, we initially had you on is to talk about the people's Tommy point charity drive for 18, which is a very cool event you have put together. That will be broadcast on Thursday. May 13th is the date? At 8 o'clock, yes. 8 o'clock. Can you tell the people about this amazing event that you have uh, decided to put out into the world? 
Man, it's cool. What uh, my friend Rich Levine, uh, who is in the media for a period, came to me, and he, I had expressed an interest in doing different opportunities based on like mutual aid or work in the community because I've kind of taken a different turn with just my philosophy on life and just how I live in general. And he reached out to me and he said, man, I have all these media contacts and this season has been really kind of a drag. And uh, there just has to be something that could get people like to come together for a good cause. And so we came up with the idea of, uh, I had been doing something I called the smart stimulus, which every game I gave a little bit to the uh, young game changer foundation. And that's Marcus's foundation. Uh, he does work with uh, sick children in, in the hospitals in Boston and his hometown and stuff like that. So uh, I had just started doing that and Rich had noticed it and he reached out and he said, what if we do a, a, a telethon style online telethon uh, for charity uh, where we reach out to some Celtics figures present and past, uh, do that, put a spotlight on the community online, some of the talented people in the community and uh, raise some money for a good cause. So on uh, May 13th, Thursday, 8 p.m., we're going to be airing that live tomorrow uh, from my account at riffs underscore man. We're going to be putting up the uh, PayPal group live link that's going to be going directly to the people at Young Game Changer who we're in contact with right now. Uh, We're going to be running that through Friday, I think, till 6.30 on Friday, and then it's all going to go directly towards them. Basically, we're going to try to inject some life into the situation online, into the community, uh, hopefully send some goodwill to the players, uh, especially Marcus, who I know wears these losses more than anybody. And uh, I think it's going to be cool. I've already taught it. It's an interview series, too, sort of on the legacy of Tommy Heinsohn. And we're also going to talk to some people about Casey Jones, too. And uh and, and we've talked to some former players. We've talked to uh, Mike Gorman. I talked to Dino Raja. He told me I looked like a member of ACDC. <laughs> Talk to Dino. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we've got some more special ones coming. Like We have one big one that, for me, is unbelievable that I'm doing tomorrow. And some of that's going to be a surprise. But tune in uh, 8 p.m. May 13th. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be... I mean, it's going to be everything you've known to expect from if you know me or if you know our community. There's going to be some music. There's going to be some artwork. There's going to be uh, some comedy. There's, it's just going to be a good time for a good cause and hopefully spread some goodwill. Because really, if you watch games online, which many of us are want to do with our time, it's been a tough go of it and not the easiest. And people have been at each other and people haven't had a fun time and it's been really discouraging for me because I just want to see people have a good time all the time. That's like my life philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a great it, philosophy. It, it's, it's just been a tough year. And I think if we do something good in this, it, it isn't all for a waste, especially after what happened with Jalen's wrist. Yeah. No, if you are following weird Celtics, Twitter, uh, it's a good time with a bunch of very talented artists and people and like, Really, I took the dive into this when just the amazing memes and kind of just wild artistic stuff that was coming out. And I know Efren Ramos, he's producing for you. Just an amazing um, just artist in terms of uh, the crazy and uh, insane photoshops he's done um, and uh, producing ATO show. I just know he's like insanely talented. I know uh, is High on Drums also joining you, doing some of the music stuff for the program? Yeah, man. He, he put together something 
and he and Efren have put together an experience, as I'll call it. That's just <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. That's just fantastic, and it's it's going to be a lot of stuff you don't expect, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But it's also just going to be people hanging out and us talking to some former Seas players and Seas media on just like a human level and uh, learning from them a bit about life in general. I think, I, I mean, that's just where I'm at, where my head's at right now and the kind of thing I'm grooving on in life. That sounds uh, like it's going to be a great event and I'm very much looking forward to it. And so where can the people watch? Is there a link you'll tweet out? I'll be tweeting it out from my account, at riffs underscore man. Uh, we're going to be uh, simulcasting it. I believe it's going to be on Twitch. And the uh, the charity portion of it is going to be on PayPal group. That'll go up tomorrow. So again, check my account. Uh, we'll be linking up with uh, Young Game Changer and Marcus's managers and uh, really just just putting it together to really show out for the community. That's awesome. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to the event. If you guys can donate to Young Game Changer, that would be much appreciated. And just go watch, hang out, enjoy the um, – Weird people, weird Celtics Twitter, and also uh, these amazing conversations uh, that the Riftsman's had with. It's how was Mike Gorman? I mean, I think it's kind of wild for I. I see him sometimes at the when we used to go to games, but he's still like a legend, and I've never really had a long conversation with him. Was it just wild to kind of just sit down with a with a guy who's just been that much part of Celtics history? I mean, it was it was daunting for me because I've been listening to him in mics. Uh, Mike and Tommy since I was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. so it was like this huge part of my life I got to interact with and he was the most kind and gracious person possible. I would say the same about Dino. They were both incredible. Uh, and uh, Mike, it was like we got to talk about what were the difficulties of broadcasting this year. Uh, I got to find out who his favorite guitar player was. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, uh, same with Dino. Uh, but uh, no, talking to Mike, it was like, this season has not just been trying for the players and the fans. It's been that way for the broadcast media as well. So I, I got a lot of insight from him. I got a great Tommy story from him. Uh, it was, it was really fun to talk to him and he couldn't have been kinder in the process of it. That's awesome. I'm very much looking forward to uh, hearing your conversation with him. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Anything is Potable. And uh, everyone who's listening out there, go uh, watch the People's Tommy Point Charity Drive for 18. And hopefully you can, uh, if you can, make a donation to uh, the Young Game Changer cause. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much, Riffs, man. Appreciate thank you for it. having me. Hey, man, I'm, I'm real glad to come on. Thank you for your time.